Um, hey, I just want to introduce Chase to you. His name's Chase Sanders, and I found a piece of random information. He has a dog named Colonel, and his last name's Sanders. And, um, and so that in itself is just cool, you know? I mean, I think it's just it's cool. But like I told you last week, um, Chase is an awesome guy, and I know Rachel herself is, is awesome because um, we always marry up. And I know Chase is an awesome guy, so I know Rachel is, um, is the same. And so I'm, I'm a, um, just pleased to introduce Chase, you, Chase to you tonight, and we're, we're excited about how God is going to use him to lead this ministry and, and, um, and, and, and be with you guys and, and just to pour into you guys and allow you just to uh, equip you for the work of the ministry. And um, that's what um, we're here here for and um and so I want to introduce Chase just give him a, a warm welcome and um so Chase you come on up man so I want to name my firstborn son Colonel because that's a strong name um I married Rachel and proposed this idea to her and she said no um which is understandable but you know so I got a dog out of it and he's the best he's crazy but he's the best um so I just wanted to start out by introducing myself a little bit um so my name is Chase as Justin said I am originally from Shreveport any Ratchet City people in here I hear you I hear you um, so I grew up in Shreveport. I grew up, uh, went to Calvary Baptist in Shreveport. Um, it was where I, K through 12, went. Um, I was saved in a chapel service there as a second grader. Um, and just through that ministry and through youth, um, I just grew a lot in the Lord, just called to ministry as a senior in high school. Um, and then I came to Louisiana Tech. And man, go dogs, right? Like I... I'm just so overwhelmed by what the Lord did in my life those four years in college. Um, and it's really where I, not only did he provide me a wonderful wife, Rachel, um, like she is so godly and so wonderful and loves people so deeply. It is just amazing to me. But also he just challenged me to know not just about Jesus Christ, but to truly know him and to follow him as your Lord and Savior. That is what I learned so much of as during my time in college and what just really gave me a huge heart for college students, um, for you guys, right? As you are making so many important decisions that you have to know what to do and you have to figure out how you can follow Christ with those decisions. It is something that is so crucial and so important for each of us to decide what we are going to do as we are deciding who I am as a person and what I'm gonna do the rest of our life. And so college ministry is, is just a huge role in my life. It played a huge role and also just has my heart. Um, as I just see the opportunity not only to grow in our faith, but to know Jesus to help others know Jesus. And that is my heart, that is my desire um, as we go into the word tonight, that we would know Jesus more before we leave this place. And man, it is just insane for me to be in here. I like, so I went to first college during my time at Tech um, and we were not in this building, right? Like we were over in the depot, there's about 30 or 40 of us when I first got here. And like to see this is just overwhelming to me, as I see what the Lord can do through faithful servants of Christ, through people that follow him faithfully and preach his word and follow him in obedience. Man, isn't he faithful? And I can see that through this room as each and every one of you are here tonight. Some of you, I knew your siblings, right? Like, it's crazy to me. I knew like 10 of your siblings and I'm like, yeah, you're their brother or sister. Um, and it's just to see how that just continues on 
through people that are deciding to follow Jesus. So tonight we're gonna be in John 17. And this is a really, really cool passage of scripture. So for the past semester for me, quarter for y'all, we have been studying through the book of John and looking at the seven I am statements. One really interesting thing about the book of John, it's very different than the other three gospels. And the main thing that sticks out is that John starts with Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's his starting point. We see that in John 1, right? He starts and says, Jesus is the word. He is the one that was from the beginning and he is the coming Messiah. All of the other gospels kind of go the other way. They start as Jesus as man and slowly reveal to him, reveal him as Lord. But John just shows, shoves it in your face over and over again. They're like, if you don't think that he is God, you are not reading the words on my page. That's what John does through the whole book. And so the first 11, 12 chapters, excuse me, of John, we see just the entirety of Jesus's life. And then starting in chapter 13 through the end of the book, John focuses on one week. One week showing that the whole book of John was about the cross of Christ. The whole book of John is pointing to the cross as he spends almost half of his book showing that it was Jesus and his death and resurrection. That is why we're here. That is why we're here today. As we gather to study his word, it is Jesus and his death and resurrection. It is his message of the gospel that we come to know more about. In John 17, it's a really interesting passage of scripture. And one thing I would say to you is that you can tell a lot about a person by what they talk about, right? So like if you love sports, I can probably figure that out very quickly because it's gonna come up in conversation, right? Like if you're passionate about, I don't know, chemistry, that's a weird thing to be passionate about, um, but like if you're passionate about it, you love it with all of your heart, right? It's gonna come up in a conversation. If you love chemistry, I'm sorry, that wasn't a dig. Uh, my wife's a chemical engineer, like, so like, we're good. But as you learn about what someone talks about, you, you learn the passions of their heart. And even more so, when you see what someone prays about, you see what they prioritize. So as we get to John 17, we have the longest passage of a prayer of Jesus. So the question becomes, what does Jesus pray about? What does he prioritize right before he goes to the cross? What is he about to pray about? In the first five verses of this chapter, we see Jesus praying for himself. We see Jesus praying that his life would glorify the Father and that he would be glorified through his obedience to God. And then as we pick up in verse six, which is where we're gonna spend the majority of our time today, we are going to see Jesus's prayer for his disciples. So Jesus's prayers for his disciples, starting in verse six. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me, and I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you had given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one. 
even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are just so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for the opportunity to come before you tonight and learn more about you. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us. Lord, that you would remove any distractions that we might have in our minds or in our hearts. And Lord, that we would focus in for the next few minutes on what you have for us. And Lord, we pray that we would walk away from this place in obedience to what you were calling us to do. And Lord, that you would change our lives tonight. Lord, we love you so much. We are so grateful for the mercy and grace that you show to us every single day. And it's your son's name I pray, amen. So as we read this text, as we read this prayer of Jesus, we're gonna see three different focuses of Jesus' prayer. The first focus, focus is that we are to be united in Christ. We are to live united in Christ. In verses six through 10, we see this description of his disciples, right? Jesus is praying to God and saying, those are the ones that you have given me. The ones that I have given the word to, the ones that they have walked in obedience to the word. Those people I am praying for. And as he gets to verse 11, which begins the substance of his prayer, he says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. As Jesus is approaching his death, he prays to God and says, let them be unified. This seems to me like a very interesting prayer. But Jesus knows a lot more than we do, and especially I do, and he knows that through the disciples' unity, people will come to belief in him. Because the world at this time, before they bring him before the cross, he recognized that his disciples are gonna face so much division so much opposition, so many things that will drive them apart. And he looks at them and says, be one. And he compares his disciples to his relationship with the Father. He says, even as you and I are one, let them be one. There is not a more united relationship than between Jesus and the Father. And that is his prayer for us as followers of Christ, that we would be united in Christ. But in order to be united in Christ, we must first unite ourselves with Christ. In order to be united as Christians, we must first unite ourselves with Christ. Because we recognize that we cannot be united without the sanctifying work of the cross. As Jesus came and he lived a perfect life, he came and did his ministry in order that we could know who he was to be the ultimate revelation of God. And then he said, I love each and every one of my people so much. Everyone in the whole world, I am going to give my life for them. Because we have done with this, this thing called sin, right? Which is just this fancy term of doing something a, that separates us from God. And because we have done this, we have created a chasm in between mankind and God. And Jesus says, I am going to come and fix that. I am come, going to come and bridge that gap. So he lived a sinless life and then he died a death on a cross for us, a substitutionary death that paid the penalty for each one of our sins. 
And the story doesn't end there, which is amazing and which we should say hallelujah for because the story continues three days later when he raises again, which not only proves that he was a man that came to the cross and just died, but it proves that not only was he a man, but he was God that came and died for us. And he gained victory over sin and death. He mended back the gap. And all we have to do is unite ourselves with him by placing our faith in him. By placing our trust in Jesus Christ, we can have a proper relationship with God. We can have a proper relationship with the Lord of the universe. And all we have to do is turn from our sins and say, I believe in the work that you have done. I believe in you, Jesus Christ. And what's so amazing about this is that he can take people from all different backgrounds, all different sources of life, all different areas of the world and give them one hope. And his name is Jesus. And through that one hope, we can be united as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ because we all have one mission. We have all been given one thing that we are to live for. And that is for Christ and his glory. So once we have united ourselves with Christ, we must recognize that we must be united with fellow believers. We live in a world that is extremely divisive. I don't know if any of y'all know that. Do y'all know that? A few, okay. Just open your eyes, right? Like if you look at the internet, you recognize how a divisive life or a divisive world that we live in how broken it is. Because every little situation, every little meme, every little picture, right? It causes some sort of division. That was for you, Justin, by the way. Everything, it doesn't matter. We all have different opinions and different things that can drive us apart. And Jesus in his final prayer knew that this was gonna be a temptation that Satan gives us is division. And in his final prayer before he goes to the cross, he wants to make them understand and them recognize that unity will bring him glory. Unity in the body of Christ will not only bring him glory, but it will help others believe in him. We see this if we continue in the passage in verses 21 through 23, as he continues this prayer for the future church. He continues and says, I hope that they are one so that people may believe in me. Believe that God had sent him. Because unity is something that the world does not recognize. So when the world starts to see unity in the church, there's gonna be a light bulb that goes off that says, I need to know what that is. But if we as brothers and sisters in Christ are more divided than the world is, then what are they gonna see? Just a reflection of themselves. We have to recognize that under Christ, we have one mission and one Lord that is guiding all of our lives. Because when we start submitting to God and submitting to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we recognize all those little personal preferences that we would fight over are not that important. All those little things that might divide the world won't divide us because we are united under Christ. And we have one mission. We as followers of Christ need to begin to take steps towards unity. That starts in this room. That starts by getting to know people that you don't know and say, hey, let's lock arms and fight together. Let's lock arms and walk together through this thing called life. 
and through this thing called college. Because it is a hard and difficult time, but we have to recognize that Christ gives us hope. And no matter what you're going through, we can be united with our brothers and sisters in Christ because of his grace for us. If he has forgiven us of all the sins that we committed against him, we can start to forgive our brothers who have committed far less sins against us. The second thing that we see in this passage and the second focus of Christ's prayer is that we are to be sanctified by the word. We are to be sanctified by the word. Let's pick up in verse 14. It says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As we read verses 14 through 16, we can recognize that once we have been united with Christ, once we have a personal relationship with him, our life does not end there. Our life is a continual process because you see in 14 and 15 that Jesus is praying that his disciples would not be wanting to be taken out of the world. A lot of people might recognize this. If you live in the world that we live in and you know the savior that we know, you're gonna wanna go and be with him. But Jesus prays that they would not be taken out of the world, but that they were to be different from the world. That they were to live a life so different that people would turn and look at them. This is actually from one of our favorite Christian cliches where it comes from, right? Christians are to live in the world, but not of the world. I have an argument that it needs to continue, but like, we'll just start there, right? Like we as followers of Christ cannot live like the world lives. If our lives only reflect what our culture says we should do, what are they gonna look for when they see us? How are they gonna look for hope if we are not presenting it to them in a sanctified package? This word sanctification, if you don't know what it means, essentially just means this process of being made holy. If you don't know what holy means, it just means to be set apart. It means to be something different. The world lives this way, we are to live a different way. And our whole lives is this process of sanctification. It's this whole process of becoming more and more like Christ. While our desire might be to be with Jesus immediately, we recognize that we have a goal to become more and more like Christ every single day. So the question becomes, how are we sanctified? What does it mean to be sanctified by the truth? In verse 17, we see the answer to this question. As Jesus looks and he's praying, and he says, sanctify them in the truth. My word is truth. We cannot hope to be sanctified in the word if we are never, or sanctified by the word if we are never in the word. We cannot hope to be changed by the, the word of God if we don't know what the word of God says. This starts here tonight, right? Like we have to hear the word of God preached. We have to hear the word of God, but not only should we hear it, but we need to learn to study it. We need to learn how to spend time with it. We, we need to know more about what the word of God says. But guys, if we stop there, we've missed it. Because this passage doesn't say that they would know the truth, but that they would be sanctified by the truth. If the word of God is not penetrating our lives, no matter how much we know about it, it is not doing its purpose. 
If we only know the word of God more, but it doesn't reflect in our lives, we're missing a huge step. We're missing the step of sanctification that Christ is calling us to here in this passage. We need to follow him, not only by hearing the word, not by only studying the word, but by being obedient to the word. If we are not following what he calls us to do, and we are just knowing what he calls us to do, we have missed it. We have to be obedient in order that we would be sanctified by the word. Sanctification, it not only means this idea of becoming holy or being set apart, but it also carries this connotation of being used for a specific purpose, for being set apart for a specific purpose, which we'll see the final focus of Jesus' prayer in verse 18 and 19. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for, for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. So I have a question for you guys. Anybody know what China is? Like the dish, not the country. Yeah, yeah. all right. So my mother, uh, growing up, she had these China dishes. And it was always really, really strange to me. Because these dishes, right, that's what they are, they were on this wooden frame on a wall, right? Like they're displayed on this wall that you couldn't really get to them, right? Anybody ever seen this? Know what I'm talking about? Man, as a child, I was just so confused by this, right? Like I'm looking at, I'm like, those are plates, right? Like, <laughs> like those are things that we're supposed to eat off, right? And coming from my family, I can promise you, I don't think they've ever left the wall, honestly. We never had a fancy enough meal. But the idea of China, right, is you're supposed to have these sanctified plates, if you will, that are to be used for a specific purpose. When you have fancy guests coming over, which I don't even know what that means. Uh, but like when you have specific and like these higher priority people, you're supposed to break out the fine China, right? We never did that growing up. So these plates just confused me, right? Like I was just like, why is this, these plates on a wall, right? It doesn't make any sense. The issue is, so often our Christian lives are a lot like these plates. We want to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Like we want to be set apart. We want to be something different. But if we're something different, but we don't fulfill the purpose that we were made to do, we have missed it. Which is why verse 18 is just, it drives me crazy when people say we are to be in the world, but not of the world. But it forgets out that we are to be sent into the world. This is not something that we can miss as followers of Christ. We are not just here to become more morally good. They have, they have words for that, right? They have religions for that. But as a follower of a Christ, we are to proclaim his name to our lost and dying world. If we don't do that, we are being disobedient. And if I were honest with you tonight, during my four years in college, I was disobedient for a lot of those years. But I looked really, really good. I went to awaken, right? I sat in your seats. I was at the BCM. I was a leader there. I was a leader here. I was always there, right? Man, my attendance was spectacular. But I forgot my purpose. Because my purpose was not only to be made more holy, but to be more, made more holy for a specific use. And that use was to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. 
And I forgot out there on my mission field that I was on a mission field. There's a quote, uh, it's from a book called The Fuel and the Flame and like you should read it. Just like I wish I would have read it when I was in college. But this quote says, unfortunately, Christian students end up living with Christians, sitting with Christian at meals, the library, even praying for a job where their coworkers are all Christians. Their goal each day is to attempt to scurry through the day, flying from one Christian friend and activity to the next, hoping to make it home that night, unscathed by the world. This quote hurts me. I was sharing with uh, some of the leaders a little while ago. So the last few years I've been at LSU. Um, I'm a dog though, like always. Uh, I've been at LSU, right? And LSU is a very lost campus and like they don't hide it. Um, I think a lot of times here at Louisiana Tech, we can often hide our lostness. But LSU, they do not hide it. They just say, hey, we're lost and we know we're lost. But there at that university makes me reflect on my time at Louisiana Tech and recognize that I was just missing the lostness all around me. Because I had created a subculture of Christianity on my public university. I have lived in this bubble that I was not ready to break out of until my senior year. And the truth is guys, community is good living in the world but not, not of the world, that's biblical. We just read it. It's verse 11 and 15. But if we forget our mission, we have forgotten our purpose and our use. We are nothing more than china plates sitting on a wall. We might look pretty. We might look like good Christians, but we have forgotten our purpose. We need to recognize what our purpose here is is in college. You are around more lost people than you will ever be around. But if I were sitting in your shoes as a sophomore and junior, I would have a really hard time naming one of them. Because I had forgotten verse 18, that I was to be sent into the world that I was not just to be this, this piece of dish, this, this thing that just sits amongst Christians and gathers other Christians around me, but that I was to be a follower of Christ that goes and proclaims the name of Jesus Christ. Because we see in verse 20 that people come to know the name of Jesus Christ through his disciples' words. It's not through accident, Right? Like it's not just from seeing something from afar, but it's through his disciples' words that others will believe in the name of Jesus. So the question becomes for us are we china plates or are we dishes? Are we people that not only are becoming more holy, but we're becoming more holy for a sanctified use to go and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ? We must recognize that if we end at holiness, we miss the purpose. 
R. Kent Hughes puts it this way. He says, our lives are not to be one of isolations. We are to be united with other brothers and sisters in Christ. Our lives are not to be ones of assimilation. We are not to look like the world. We are to look like brothers and sisters in Christ and Christ himself. But we are to, our lives are to be of mission. If we are not living on mission, we are missing what he has called us to do. So when you go to campus, I know you only have a week left and it's finals week, but who are you meeting? Who are you having conversations with that need to know this gospel? The reason that we gather, who do you need to go and tell? Because that is what we're called to do. Our goal is not to just be good Christians. Our goal is not just to look like people that know what they're doing, but it's to go and proclaim the name of Jesus. As we conclude tonight, it's very evident that through this final study of the prayer of Jesus, we see his heart for his people. We see that he wants his people to be united with one another, that they are linking arms, walking together for the gospel under the name of Jesus Christ. We see that as Christians, we are to sanctify ourselves through the word of God. We are to spend time in his word. We are to know his word. We are to recognize that his word is living and active and it should change our lives, not just our minds. And lastly, we need to recognize that we are to live sent into your campus, into your classroom, into your apartment, into your study groups. Those are the people that Jesus is presenting before you that need to know who he is. So the question is, are you using that opportunity? Do you know people that need to know Jesus and are you faithfully following him in order that they will? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are just so grateful, just so overwhelmed by the word that you have given us, by the love that you show to us. Lord, we pray that as we leave this place tonight, Lord, that we would not leave this place the same. Lord, that we would leave this place with a mission to go and reach the campus. Because Lord, we know this is the most consecrated group of lost people that we will ever be around. And we need not miss this opportunity. Lord, I pray right now, if there is anyone in this room who does not know you, Lord, that they would come to a saving knowledge of you tonight. Lord, that they would recognize the hope that they have in you. Lord, I pray that for the brothers and sisters in Christ this evening, Lord, that you would walk with them, that you would challenge them to not pray for being unscathed by the world, but to pray for boldness to share the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that our lives would bring you glory. We pray that our lives would reflect what you were calling us to do, Lord, and that everything we do, every relationship that we have would be for you. Lord, we give our lives to you tonight. It's your son's name I pray, amen.